Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. And guess what? It's not even a Sunday. But we're bringing you a very special episode because this is a, well, it's a bonus episode of sorts. It's the regular Friday episode, but... We are going to delve into the mailbag. That's right, our favourite type of episode. Yours too from the feedback. And we've got so many great questions that while I'm on leave, we're going to do an extra episode of Mailbag. When I say we, of course, I am talking about me, I'm Scott Phillips, and him, he is Mr. Andrew Page Esquire. (laughs) Not yet MBE or OAM, but it can't be too far away because he is the founder and managing director of strawman.com. Mr. Page, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'll take Esquire. That works for me. Esquire? Yeah. Do you, are you kind of lining up for an Order of Australia medal or a, you know, one of those, yeah, MBE maybe, uh, knighthoods? Or, put it this way. Or Andrew of the Pages or something? <laughs> the, world is Ram a, of the, pages. the world is in a very sorry state if I'm if I'm in line for one of those. So, uh, And I'm not holding my breath, so let's put it that way. I don't know if this is still true, but I heard once upon a time that you can only be knighthood, knighted under your official name. Uh, okay. So there are like Sir Elton John couldn't be Sir Elton John because he was he'd be Sir Reginald Dwight. You couldn't actually have like a stage name or a nom de plume. Oh, okay. As your as your knight. I don't know if that's changed or not, but that's that's the story I I heard once upon a time. Okay. They may have changed the rules. They're now allowing women to, uh, you know, accede to the throne in a birth order rather than wait for all the boys to die. So we we are moving forward. <laughs> but I heard that. So you couldn't be Sir Ram unless you actually change your name by deed poll. Okay. Well, that's that's still an option. That's still an option. <laughs> There you go. If you want Andrew to change his name, <laughs> hit him up on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon to let him know that you want him to, to uh, change his name by deed poll. I'm sure if we get more than, well, I'm going to say 20. 20 people. Uh, Andrew will have to break the bad news to his wife that he's changing his name by deed poll to Mr. Ram um, Space. No, no promises. Stop no promises. No, you sure? Oh, come on. <laughs> how, how, many, how many likes would it take? I, I think you can take all the, all the likes in the world, but it's not going to fly when, never it, when, it comes, when it comes to the actual gatekeeper of that decision. It's just not going to fly. Put it that way. <laughs> you would never make an FM radio, mate. They would. They would. They'll they'll get tattoos. They'll change their name. They'll do whatever they whatever yeah. it takes on FM radio. <laughs> you won't even you won't even change your name. Everyone sends me a Bitcoin. I'll do it. How about that? <laughs> There you go, everyone. If you want to get rid of your useless Bitcoin, send them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll I'm take them. Um, <laughs> mates, up. So let's let's get on with the let's get on with the mailbag episode on a Friday, just to mess with people's heads. Although the good news is, if you finish this and go, oh, finish the mailbag. It's Sunday. No, no, it's only Friday. So you get two more days of a weekend after listening to this extra mailbag. How good's that, uh, mate? We're gonna start. We're gonna start. Can, can I can I put the cat well and truly among the pigeons here? Can I throw a hand grenade? In fact, can Craig throw a hand grenade? Because he just starts with, Hi, Scott and Pagey. Kathy Wood is a false prophet. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> now, let me let me explain the rest of what Craig's email, because he, he asked the question, then he goes on to explain. So I'll let him explain. Then I'll ask you to respond, and then I'll try and pick up the pieces. He says, narrative-based investing is, how do I say this? Stupid. A good narrative does not equal a real business. Furthermore, if disruptive innovation plays out as prophesied, it does not necessarily translate to returns for investors. Valuation matters and always will, says Craig. Kathy Wood has given Tesla a price target of US $4,600 per share by 2026. The assumptions adopted in the model are pure fantasy. The days of unprofitable businesses endlessly tapping the market for funds is over says Craig. He's, he's, he's ranting nicely, Craig. Nice work. Get on the high horse. Good People are too quick to dismiss criticism with, it's easy to say that in hindsight. In response, I say that some things are foreseeable and I have always maintained this view. 
I appreciate your reluctance to criticise, but it's also important to protect retail investors through education. I'm not suggesting that listeners should adopt my views. I'm simply stressing the importance of scepticism and critical thinking. I do believe Kathy Wood genuinely believes her own thesis, but faith and good intentions is not enough in the merciless world of investing. Kind regards, Craig. Wow, Craig, you've absolutely let go with both barrels here. So for those who don't know, Kathy Wood runs a business called ARK Investments or something. Trades under the NASDAQ ARKK, I think is the code. Um, it's just high growth investing thing. She's all about innovation disruption and she's bought lots of Tesla and lots of good stuff and talks a really, really good game about how good the future might be. She has plenty of disciples to use Craig's uh, metaphor of, of being a prophet, but maybe those disciples at least according to Craig, are being horribly, horribly, horribly misled. They have drunk the proverbial Kool-Aid and are not really thinking clearly. Or, Andrew, is Craig wrong? No, he's not wrong. I mean, this is, uh, well... Neat. So he's right. No, no, no. Well, I mean, this is this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is what makes... You're going to get splinters. This Go is on. what makes a market. You know, yeah, every does. time someone buys this <laughs> fund, someone else is selling it. It's it's, it's always the same. And mm-hmm. uh, if we all felt the same thing, then there'd, there'd be no transactions. So, mm-hmm. um, look, I have a lot of sympathy for that view. I, I, there was there's a lot of there was a lot of hype around some of these really cool companies. But I mean, we speak about continuously valuation matters, price matters, right? Mm. Um, to be fair to Kathy, I think she's actually up since inception. So it's a story of like insanely high returns followed by mm, crushing, mm, soul crushing mm. losses. But overall, it's kind of if you were on from day one, you're actually you're doing okay. Um, so it's it's a point worth making. Um, another point is as well as I think I don't know if it's because she's a woman or if just because she she sticks her neck out. But you know, if we want to get stuck into professional investors who suck, mm. get in line, right? Like, <laughs> do you think it's one of those visibility things? I, I, you know, I've actually I haven't thought about that in terms of the criticism, but I did think about that on the way up. Mm. I actually wonder if Kathy Wood is quotable now because of the kind of move towards hey, let's have some female voices. Mm. There, there are some notable female investors who get massive amounts of coverage relative to other blokes in the industry are largely because they are kind of one of the very very few and that which is a problem in itself but mm. i wonder if it's kind of is it is it live by the sword die by the sword kind of stuff yeah not, not her fault by the way in either case <laughs> i mean i don't have any sympathy i mean that's the that's mm. the business mm. right so you 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 get all the praise when things are going well you get all the criticism when it doesn't so mm. you know that's mm. that's just mm. how it goes i'm sure she's extraordinarily well and she's done very yeah, well yeah, yeah. So there's no no sympathy there but I'm, i guess i'm just making mm. the point mm. that mm. I, you know yeah, I, I I would not be putting my money in this fund. Um, I think there are some really awesome bills. So I'll give you the top 10 holdings. We've got things like Tesla. Yeah, We've got yes. things like uh, CRISPR, Block, uh, Teladoc, Coinbase, uh, Zoom. You know, some these are these are some some significant mm-hmm. businesses that mm-hmm. probably have some pretty decent futures. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think the price is always reasonable in all of those cases? Probably not. Do I, and this is after the fall, right? So, I mean, at, at, at the absolute peak back in, oh, geez, was, was it earlier this year, February or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was $152, $155. Now mm-hmm. it's $33. I mean, that just shows you how, how insane it kind of was at the time. Um, and I think it is beholden to us as investors to take, you know, I, I keep saying it all the time on the pod, but it's the Peter Lynch idea of know what you own and why you own it. <laughs> Yep. And if you are the kind of person that's going to fly in because here's someone who's in the news, they've got a really good narrative, um, you know, it's 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 just 
investing isn't that hard and you, you've got to take it a mm. bit more seriously than that. Um, what do you do about that though? That's the yeah. hard thing. That's that's the real hard. So what do you say? Is like, okay, no, she can't run a fund because she's obviously full of rubbish. Like, well, mm. it's not obviously full of rubbish. There's plenty of other crazy things that people have said and done that have actually turned out to be right. <laughs> you know, could be right. That's the hardest. That's the hardest part, mate. For mine, like that's, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna just jump in quickly. Craig could have been saying this about Amazon back in 2000 and anything. Yeah. 2002, 2005, 2008, 2012, 2015. Yep. You know, uh, anyone who says Amazon is great is obviously full of rubbish. And and there were people like, people saying and still probably saying, how can you possibly buy a business that doesn't have any profits? How can you possibly invest in business that doesn't pay dividends? Mm. Um, for, for every false profit, there are real profits, but e- equally, you know... <laughs> They sent Jesus to the cross, right? Like it's you know, there's no, there's no, there's no nothing to say that prophets have to be right or believed or even in their own lifetimes, you know. So it's kind mm. of a, it's a difficult, it's always difficult in advance. That's kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 so all you can do is you you can have, and I think this is the way to go. Is you there needs to be rules and regulations around. You know, you can't lie. For example, you know, you yeah, need right. to, you need to make sure that you're presenting all the all the information that is needed for yeah. a, a reasonable person to make a reasonably informed decision, and then yeah. from that you kind of have to sort of say, well, I'll, is this a free market or not? And if mm. it is, then you know, people are going, all kinds of people are going to get out there and say, hey, I'll manage your money. No, I'll manage your money. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. And then you yeah. you either say, yeah, I'll pay you to do that because I, I like mm. the cut of your gym, mm. or I'll do it myself. And and some of those decisions will be better than others. And it's just kind mm. of, I know that it sounds really, oh, wow, the brutal cut and thrust of capitalism. <laughs> but, and, and, it's, and there's, there's yeah. a lot of potential problem with that. But yeah. again, I sort of I think, well, like, what's, the, what's, what's the alternative? Mm. Do we just have exactly. one fund out there that's run by the government? Um, yeah. I could see some I massive I mean, to be problems. Fair to Craig, he's not saying should be put out of business. He's just saying that the, the truth should be told. That he he thinks Tathu was wrong, and we shouldn't we shouldn't shy away from being critical about what he sees as. He see, he believes Kathy is telling the truth. It's not a case of she should be allowed to run a fund. Just people should say, people like you and I, I think he's implying, uh, should be saying, hey, this thing is crazy. This is ridiculous. Be careful. I think is, is his point. Rather, we should put Kathy out of business. Yeah. Well, again, though, I've I've been doing this long enough to where I've 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 got you know mud all over egg on my face, not mud, <laughs> uh, egg on my face and multiple where I've sort of said, oh, this is so obviously yeah, dumb, and yeah, oh, yeah. it turns out yeah. not. <laughs> Or this, or, exactly. or vice versa. This is this is obviously oh, fantastic, man. and and that turns can, out. Can I tell you, I was I was an afterpay bear for a very long time for about three dollars. So I, I have I have well and truly more more than enough egg. I've got cartons and cartons and cartons of egg on my face. You know, so I'm I'm just I'm nervous yeah. to say that again. I've just looked it up here. So since inception, it's nineteen percent <laughs> compound per annum. Over the last right. five years, Kathy has delivered a twenty five percent compound return. Uh, up until where, mate? Is it is, up until today? As, as, as of till the oh, geez, where is it saying that? Not that it matters. I'm just curious if it's before the measure. I'm sure it's probably down a bit since. I'm not actually sure okay. where it says. So okay. it's just got one year, three year, five. So the last year down forty five percent. Over the three years, thirteen percent right. compound. So again, you know, had had, yeah. had you bought that, into yeah. it a very yeah. even at three years ago, I don't think you're upset with with what mm, you've done. Mm, mm. But, but yeah, I mean, I think Craig, the, the point that Craig's making is a really good one. And that is mm. don't fly into something because it's got a good story and it's got a high profile <laughs> yeah. investor. That, that is yeah. dumb. And I will, I will absolutely um, congratulate him on that and, and agree with him on, on that mm. statement. Mm. Mm. Um, I just, I, I just, I'm just careful not to sort of say, well, this is obviously bad because <laughs> I, the, the moment I say that, the moment yeah. it goes yeah. up 200x from, yeah. from today. Yeah. So. 
I said on I said on Ausbiz plenty of times. We're asked to talk about we're on the call. You and I appear on it, and we've asked over ten companies. And I regularly, every kind of second time on there, I say this is a sort of company that's made to make people like me look stupid. Yeah, yeah. Because it's one of those things where for all of the for all of the ones that should yeah Amazon's Amazon's a classic example, right? If you'd have said in '99, obviously this whole dot com thing is ridiculous. None of these companies can be worth anything. Oops. Yeah. You know, and Amazon probably has paid for every one of those failures, quite honestly, or at least a decent proportion of oh, them yeah. over that time. It's kind of one of those challenges of, you know, the and it's, you know, we talked about before with with small caps and other things. You've got to be really, really careful because it does very quickly. Um, you don't need too many winners in a portfolio like Kathy Woods to actually say, well, okay, I was wrong about eighty percent of them, but I've still made fourteen percent per annum over an extended period of time. Yeah, because that's just the way these things can work if you get it right. Yep. Yep, but again, come 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 back to that. Know what you own and why you own it. And if, if you can't articulate a good reason as to why you should own the Ark ETF, don't own it. And this is a beautiful, the luxury of choice. There's a there's a gazillion other places to, to park your money. And <laughs> yeah. and I'll just say, Craig, um, you know, let me just I'll say this: I don't have any money in the Ark ETF, <laughs> and I have no plans on, on doing it. <laughs> me either, exactly. So I'll yes, say that yep, much. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's right. I mean, I'm going to add a couple of quick things and then we'll move on. Um, Craig, I think you're right to raise the, the challenge. Uh, I don't think I've invested in any companies that are in her ETF or the ETF itself. Um, maybe I have. I don't know what else is in there. I haven't looked. Don't care. Um, I think that... So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've been doing this long enough not to dismiss stuff like this because I've seen the Amazon example or the Apple example or plenty of others besides go really, really well. Um, I will say to Craig, who's probably yelling at us right now, your performance numbers ram are to this point and if this is the bottom then fair if it falls another 40 percent, then maybe the numbers change meaningfully so mm. we are neither at the we're neither yes. at the end of the story in a good or a bad way maybe they double again by the way and those results will be even better so you go well there's money there mm. um i also would say for what it's worth i think the companies like the ones that kathy wood is investing in are genuinely i use this phrase almost apologetically inventing the future sounds like a terrible marketing buzz phrase right but literally you know where are the where are the innovations of tomorrow where's the growth of tomorrow going to come from probably from amazon apple google facebook nvidia netflix you know they, they, these are literally the, the big end of town who have a fantastic track record of value creation and you mm. kind of think well if this is going to be the internet age and you know this is going to continue then those sorts of companies are probably the ones who are going to be at the forefront of all this innovation. Yeah. And if they do take market share from the old school, then they'll probably do it. And again, probably do reasonably well. So I own the NASDAQ ETF, for example, because I actually think that group of companies will outperform both the US and the Australian markets handily for, for exactly the reason I've just highlighted. Mm. Do I think Tesla is one of those? I don't know. Do I think others that she owns are some of those? I don't know. I don't own Block. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to make their money eventually. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe it's Bitcoin. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of others. <laughs> exactly. There's plenty of others doing doing stuff. So I wouldn't rule it out. I do think what we should be doing, though, to Craig's point to some degree, is being careful of the, the cult-like following of anybody and i'll include elon in this list with kathy wood and others by the way someone include warren buffett in that list i think he's probably better i was just gonna to mention hey, it like you know? yeah 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 i mean i think your 55 years probably gives you enough reason to say he's probably doing something right he's worth following for all these foibles but um the the, the cult like following of these people that the, they can't do any wrong type thing, thinking that's the bit that kind of i think you need to be a little bit careful of because they're the ones that get you to drink the, the kool-aid and we know of course the real world example of what happened there so um just be just be a little bit careful mm. Are we good to move on? Yeah. Yeah, let's move on. A question from Shane. Hi, guys. I've been listening for about a year now and absolutely loving the pod. Thank you, mate. 
Thank you for your teachings and helping me to remain somewhat sane during the many ups and downs of investing. It's not easy. I got a question, he says. Should a company hold off on announcements during choppy market conditions? He says, currently in brackets with a couple of exclamation marks. I know that we are in these companies for the long term and a positive announcement should just reaffirm our thesis. But it's super frustrating, he says, when a great announcement hits the market only for the stock price to tumble. Yeah, uh, some days are good days to release announcements. Some days aren't good days to release announcements. I will say sometimes a good announcement can actually save you from some of the falls. I know um, vicinity centers of all things, the real estate business, uh, actually did reasonably well uh, one day a couple of weeks back when the rest of the market had a massive tumble because it said, oh, no, things aren't going to be quite as bad <laughs> as we thought. Shares shot up and everything else fell. So maybe you can avoid the falls. Well, sometimes uh, sure, sometimes it might drop 2% where in, in the counterfactual <laughs> exactly. it would drop 8% or something. But we never know the counterfactual, of course. Mm. One of the great concepts that people massively, massively, massively underestimate, not, not Shane, but other people, um, the counterfactual, what would have happened otherwise yep. if no, this, hadn't, this hadn't come to play. What do you think, mate? Should they be delaying announcements till, till cleaner, calmer conditions? Hard no. Absolutely hard no. Hard no. Absolutely hard no. Okay, uh, yeah, tell me why. Well, well it, it, it just opens a Pandora's box of potential yep. market manipulation and the rest of it. So yeah. the, the, rules, the rules are very clearly... You must inform to the market as soon as something is reasonably known and is not commercially sensitive, you know. So if you know that if you've sold the market to expect $100 million in sales and it's now become really obvious that that's not going to do it, you've got to release that information ASAP. And yeah. the, the, the companies that really focus and try to nurture and manage the share price, I, I actually see that as one of the biggest red flags out there. <laughs> r r honestly, I do. It's, it's like the best companies don't give a stuff. A because they never, they don't, they're not beholden on the market for their for their very existence, um, because they've got plenty of capital to, to run their to, the business. More, they more to the point, they just know what. Well, if I deliver a decent earnings graph, it'll be reflected. Maybe not now. Market's in a bad mood. Whatever. I don't care. No intention of selling. It'll be really good. Those that run around spending, the CEOs that spend all day every day out there trying to pump the stock up. So, Dude, run the bloody business. If you really like, you, yep, you can't sure. win that game. Even if you're mm -hmm. successful and you're on every single mm -hmm. podcast and whatever, you know, you yep. get a few people to buy in and it sort of props the price up for a bit. But sooner or later, <laughs> that just people realize mm -hmm. there's nothing there and it, and it falls away. So it's it's complete waste of time. And it just, it should, it, should mm -hmm. a company be out there communicating its story? Absolutely it should. I mean, we invite mm. people on Strawman all the time to share their story with our investors. We, 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 I think that's, that is part of the job, but it's when it becomes the main focus of the job that you think, oh my goodness, you know? Mm. And just, and yeah, so I, I think, and, and here's, the other, here's the other game theoretical problem. So you're inside the business, oh, darn it. Okay, this is really bad news. <laughs> oh, the market's down today and it's real. Let's not release it for a while. Mm, yeah, mm. okay. Hey, everyone, prom pinky promise, no one tell anyone that we're about to go out of business. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> everyone who leaves that meeting is on the phone and uh, this is just human nature. I'd like to say that virtually everyone will be, no, 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 that's illegal. That's insider trading. We wouldn't do it. It, it is too, too tempting for people to resist. Yep. And even yep. if most people resist, there'll be enough that don't. And so anyway, hard no. Release it as soon as you can release it. Yep, I agree. Um, and, and honestly, the, the, the challenge, Shane, is if you start investing in companies that do that, uh, then you are trying to speculate on what might happen. You say, you say yourself, you know we're in it for the long term. Um, the announcement isn't actually, well, shouldn't actually be, let me, let me be clear about this. The announcement often moves the share price, but 
the whether or not that share price movement is justified is determined by the results. If you have to wait 12 months for the results to actually come through rather than jumping on the announcement, I guess, you know, 12 months is 12 months, you'd rather not wait, I get that. Um, but but the reality is the market will get it roughly right. I also would say, by the way, if there would be a jump if the market was good and there's not a jump if the market's bad, then that tells you the people who would otherwise be buying in during that period are super short-term, right? Because mm. that announcement's still on, on the website a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later. Mm. Any serious analyst and I mean, by the way, amateur or professional, who is investing in a company for the long term, will find that information, will act on that information and it'll be all fine um, over the long term. Uh, assuming, you know, that those who would only buy in on day one when the announcement was made are likely to disappear on day two when some announcement's made by somebody else at some other company and mm-hmm. jump over there instead. So I, I get it, mate. And, and you know, in, in, some, in some version of the world, Shane's kind of right, mate, that, that if the market was efficient, we should want that rep- uh, rec- uh, start again. We should want that recognized. Is what I'm looking for. Mm. Uh, up straight up. Um, but that's the that's the that's the hard the hard part of the story. We definitely don't want the market to be efficient. Let me make that point. <laughs> that is a very bad thing yeah, for anyone who is looking yeah. to achieve outsized returns. A perfectly efficient market, by definition, mm. means that we all get the the risk free rate because it's yeah, so efficient. Yeah. Everything yep. is yep. priced in so perfectly. Yep. That, yep. I mean, you again, you follow through the logic on that and I'm now investing in shares and getting the kind of return that I would get into a bond or something. <laughs> it just makes, yeah. it, you don't want that. The reason you get such good returns is because it is very inefficient. Well, not, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say very inefficient. It is, it is somewhat yeah. inefficient. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, be, be, caref- be careful the what you wish for. Wrong. I mean, here's the other thing. It's really easy to say, but just who cares? Honestly, who cares about mm-hmm. what the price is doing up mm-hmm. or down? I mean, honestly, who gives us? If you're a trader, oh yeah, that's super important. If you're an investor, who, who cares? Um, with, with the exception that if it's going to happen eventually, happening early is better than nothing, right? Like I kind of understand, to your point about efficiency, in terms Shane's point, if this is going to add 10% to the market value eventually when the numbers come in and the, that, that forecast is knowable, then a reasonable market would actually price that in up front and you could actually recognize the value from your investment up front. So there is some element of, you know, waiting waiting because the market missed it rather than getting the full value because the market acknowledges it. There's just, there is a time value of money and opportunity costs, as you and I have said many times. Yeah. Um, I, I get it, some, I get it. Theor- theoretically, there's some value in, in wanting the market to recognize that as soon as it's reasonably forecastable, but, knowable, estimable. But, but but then we're back to, okay, so we, we're, we're again requesting in a market to be perfectly rational and efficient. Right, and, right. And, and, and then we know where that leads. So you've, you've, yeah. this, is a, this is a, honestly, it is a good thing. Um, it just shake. I mean, this is what these these markets do. They shake out all, all the people who, yeah. who didn't really understand what they were buying. Or they just bought it because <laughs> their neighbour bought it. You know, yeah. made at the pub. Yeah. Said this is good. They got on it. Felt rich. It was doing. You know, it just shakes mm. all. Every, mm. it, it Buffett <laughs> talk about cults. Buffett says that the market <laughs> is a mechanism to transfer capital from the impatient to the patient. <laughs> to the patient. And yeah, it is so yep. true, you know. Yeah. Um, a couple of CEOs I'm going to give a shout out to. One is uh, uh, David Dicker from Dicker Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, almost never does media interviews. Very, very rarely does the company release any announcements. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Brett Kelly from Kelly Partners Group, same kind. Just don't care. Don't care. You don't get the story. You don't get the business. I don't care. We've got lots of yeah. very sticky long-term shareholders who are on board because they know exactly what they're going to get. And every decision yeah. that we make, and those two gentlemen are very large shareholders in their mm-hmm. own businesses, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we, we recognize that the value creation is because of decisions that we're making thinking three, five, ten years out. And we're prepared to wait because we know that we're going to make squillions of dollars. And if 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 um, Johnny Punter, you know, is going to freak out because you know something happened in Europe and the market dropped ten percent one day, it's like, well, see you later. We mm-hmm. we don't care. Really brutally yeah. harsh, I know, 
but yeah. but but I, I'm really going to slap you around the face with it because because that <laughs> that if you want to win at this game, you mm, have mm, to be mm. built that way. Munger says, you know, most people aren't born with the delay gratification gene. Yep. You have to work really, really hard to say, I. it's the marshmallow test writ large. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know you put a marshmallow in front of a kid and say, don't eat it and we'll give you two in 10 more minutes. Most kids will eat the marshmallow. <laughs> and, us, yeah. and we're adults, we're no different. Give it. I want it now. I want it right now. And it's like, well, well don't we all? But you know yeah. what? I'll, yeah. I'll wait and I'll get not just two marshmallows. I'll get my 20 marshmallows in 10 years, thank you very much, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be much better off for me. And, and it's not easy, but... It is, it is very much worth it. And, and all you can do is repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And most people won't get it. That's cool, I guess. But if you're out there and you're one of those people who, who, are, who are picking up what I'm putting down, um, know, know that all good things will come to those that wait. A very 90s reference to finish the answer. Thank you, mate. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yes, it is. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's my usual rant slash pleading slash whatever of some combination of, you know, I, I think as individuals, we can opportunistically and selfishly benefit from inefficiency um, at, at, at a larger scale. Part of this podcast of actually helping fewer people <laughs> suffer from the things that would cost them money and help them to actually make some money from that inefficiency, which kind of almost arbitrages some of that. Well, not this podcast. We won't have that much impact. But uh, I, ideally, hopefully, more people can take advantage of that. Can I, can hey, I just give one oh, clarification God, on here? Yeah. Something I've been thinking a bit about. I, I think, and I know I know exactly what you mean, but I want to clarify it. I think <laughs> the, I think the I, you sort of said making money. And yeah, yeah I guess technically that's true. But I, I would reframe it and actually say building wealth. And, and I know it's a subtle difference, but what, what you really want is I want a collection of, of really nice hard assets that are just going to generate mm-hmm. really wonderful cash flows that, that provide me with a level of, of freedom <laughs> that I otherwise would, wouldn't get. Mm. I know it's technically making money, um, but, I, <laughs> but I think it's a subtle difference that helps mm. put you in the right mental state here. This isn't about making, you know, ka-ching and making bank and, you know, so I can now buy that Ferrari or whatever. This is about building generational wealth that your great mm-hmm. grandkids can can reap, reap the benefits of if you do it right and you play the right game. Mm. Anyway, just want to make that point. It's, 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 it's an important no, I, I, difference. Kind of. It's also a semantic difference, but I'll let you get away because <laughs> I'm a nice No, you, you're right. I absolutely take your point. Mate, here's one from Liam. He says, Hi, Scott and Andrew. I'm a new listener to the podcast and I must say I am well and truly hooked. Jeez, we're glad, Liam. Thank you for, for joining us. But later, I'm not sure what you were doing for the last uh, six or seven years, but, mate, you've you've got on board at the right time. So, well done. As I said, the best time to start is at the beginning. The second best time is now. Mm-hmm. So, well done. It's refreshing to listen to people who challenge each other often. I also like the episodes. can go on tangents at any time. <laughs> yep. Don't, t- don't assume this is a straight road, mate. It's going anywhere. And sometimes you will only get through some of the questions or topics. It all makes it <laughs> very But sometimes it means what- every time. <laughs> I think it's organic rather than disorganized or, you know, not very well scripted or poorly managed. Organic or, is you know, nice, thank you. Organic, we are, that's exactly right. Anyway, to my question, he says, uh, speaking of tangents, you mentioned in a previous episode that people who want to learn about economics and investing are better off focusing on learning about the ins and outs of businesses rather than macroeconomics. How would you suggest going about this? Mm. Are there any good resources out there that you can recommend? Cheers from Liam. Mm. Ram. Yeah, um, read a lot of annual reports. Mm. I think that's a really good thing. Read all the Berkshire letters, uh, the, the chairman's letters. Yep. That they're, they're really great on business. 
Michael Porter's got a bunch of books if you really want to dive into the deep end. I, I think he's yeah, got- that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he does a lot of stuff on competitive advantage and, and this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't go and do an MBA. I mean, look, do an MBA if you want. It's a lot yeah. of hard work and it's it's quite tricky um, and mm, you'll learn a lot. Mm, mm, but I, mm. uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to um, devalue that for anyone who has done it because I think I'm, I'm really impressed that you have because I know it's not easy. But I'm saying yeah. you don't need to. You know, there's what, what was that book, the personal MBA and stuff. You you, you, mm. you could invest three hundred dollars in a range of good business books, and you know, just yeah. go on Amazon review. You'll find them; they're out there. Yeah, um, there'll be a lot of stuff that's you know not that, that important. Other little nuggets that you just pick <laughs> up along the way. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's one of these things that I think we all desire. It. I know I certainly I still mm. do. It's just like, oh, I'm interested in this thing. I want what's the source? Yeah, that someone's yeah. written this book that just just covers it all perfectly mm. brings you to zero mm. to one in, in that in 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 that nice little arc uh and sometimes yeah. those books and and those tomes exist but more often they don't and mm. and even like the really really great business books there'll be parts of it that on later reflection i think no, i don't really agree with that <laughs> That's so true. um and other things yeah. that i think are great yeah. so you kind of it's this it really is a long-term journey of just mm. throwing yourself mm. into it and picking it up and I have I have concepts in my head today that three years ago I didn't, mm. and in another three years' time I'll look at some of the things that I think today as God's honest truth with how a business should work that I'll completely <laughs> dismiss right. in three years' time. I just know I will, exactly. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you you think you you do bed down some of the really really mm. big ideas, and I don't think they will ever change. But some of the yeah. some of the stuff on the periphery kind of does sort of bend and move and evolve and change, and as as it should, because otherwise you reach that point where you, you're you're mm. you're explicitly saying, "I get it all, I understand it all perfectly," and I'm yeah. not yeah. I'm not that I, that is that is that classic pride before fall moment, the, the moment <laughs> you think, "Yep, nothing else to learn, I got it all, figured it all out." So it it'll never end, but you just you just have to um just have to read a lot. I like that, mate. I'm going to throw some actual names out at our listeners. Um, and Liam, it's really hard because business and investing are kind of intertwined. So I'm kind of going to try and avoid investing books, but I'm going to answer with some because they're really useful. So um, I'm going to go with Peter Lynch, one up on Wall Street, because he talks about ways of thinking about business in that context of investing. So it's an investing book, pure and simple, but it's actually not, well, <laughs> good, good investing is good business, right? So that, that's why it's an overlap. Uh, he talks about different styles of, of businesses, different types of investments, but in doing so, under, uh, underscore some business models, which are super useful. So have a think about that. I would highly recommend Good to Great. It is my favorite business book of all time. It's not an investing book at all. Uh, super great book. Yes. Uh, Andrew's recommended Buffett's Letters. Go to, uh, just go to the Berkshire Hathaway website or... Uh, you can Google uh, the essays of Warren Buffett. You'll pay for it. Uh, but it's organized by topic, which makes it super, super useful for you getting started. So devour that. Really great book. Uh, talks about investing, of course. But again, in the context of, hey, I'm Warren Buffett. I'm looking for great businesses to buy. Here's what those great businesses are. And here's how I'd think about them. Here's how to run them. So that's that's super, super useful. I would absolutely recommend that. Um, what others? What others? What others? 
I'm sure there's some great blogs and, and and podcasts and stuff out there as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Motley Fool Money's very good. <laughs> I've heard great things. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure there's yeah. – so, the problem this, these days is there's actually mm. too much. It's, 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 yeah. finding, it's finding the really That's good true. stuff and getting, getting through it all. But I would, I would also true. say too is that, you know, a lot of it is common sense when you think about mm. it. If you're mm. – look, after doing this for – I don't know, twenty something years, and mm. I still come across companies I look at, and I just I don't I don't get it. I don't yeah. get, and I'm because I'm not I'm not a very smart person for one, but also there, there's some yeah. things that can be just very opaque in terms of some of the business yeah. models and the rest of it, and and that's cool. You don't you just yeah. just move on. But the the good ones will always be you know what do you sell? How much does it cost you to sell it? What's left over? Mm. What's to stop other people from doing the same? What makes yours so special? You know, you can kind of you answer those really big, the kind of questions that that your twelve year old self might ask. Yeah, Do you know, that's a good way to think and about it. Just take that's those great. really yep. basic, basic yep. questions and just Love and it. just and just knock them off one by one. Yep. You talked yep. about in a recent podcast we did, uh, Domino's. All right, they mm-hmm. they sell pizza. Okay, well, what, what's the model? Oh, it's actually a franchise model. It works like, oh, okay, so people buy the ingredients and they lease the name. Yeah, 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 that's how it works. Okay, all right, and so why can't they, you know, well, what are their margins like? It's all theirs. Oh, they for every dollar of pizza they sell, they get to have this much <laughs> left over. And it just, you just, it, yeah. it's a, it's actually a process, right? Like it's not something I'll, I'll sit down and 20 minutes later I've got all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you'll you'll figure out the big things pretty importantly and you'll and you'll and you'll work out what is attractive it, it will always be reflected in the numbers eventually if there is a business who when you look at their per share earnings have just historically gone up and up and up nicely mm. consistently backed by cash flow perhaps even backed by dividend payments something's going on maybe it's not not guaranteed to continue something's going on there though, right and that's, that's also a really useful study is look at the businesses that have done really well and go back and read some of their annual reports. And, you, you, you know, that, I found that a really fascinating exercise. It's, um, yeah, I, I, so I would do that. The other, thing, the other one, uh, Common Stocks is Uncommon Profits. Again, an investing book and it's old. Is that Kenneth But Phil Fisher, Fisher goes, uh, yeah, Phil Fisher, Phil, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Kenneth- and he goes through a lot of um, he goes through a lot of business models, which kind of it's kind of useful. There's another book, actually, a really great book called Business Model Generation. Oh. It's actually an entrepreneur's how-to book. Have you ever read no, that? No, no, it's really good. But and, and again, if you're going to start a business, great thing to use as a bit of a you know template kind mm. of book to, to go with. But also helps you the, the idea of business model generation is you literally think through the business model, mm. and, and so they give you some templates and some 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 ideas and some think some models and stuff. Just kind of think through. Okay, how would I start my business now? If you're not going to start a business, don't don't ignore it because it also helps you think about if you had to fill it out for Woolworths, for example, or for BHP, or for Commonwealth Bank, or for whatever. Pick your business, Domino's. Your, your point, Andrew. Um, it's a really, really good one and a useful one to, to go with. I think that, that's probably, that, there's a lot there. I would go with all those. There's some really good ones uh, actually about um, about investing proper, which again, I think are worth thinking about once you understand business. Um, uh, uh, again, the behavioral, temperamental side of investing, I think is super important to learn. But that's, that's, probably a good, that's probably a good starting point. Yep. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's move on to an email from someone who doesn't give their name. Uh, P.A. are their initials, so let's go with that. Hi, Scott and Andrew. Can you please not use my real name in this? Oh, lucky. First of all, love the podcast. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and opinions with us listeners and helping us become more confident investors. Our pleasure. My question, I have never heard this topic being discussed before, as I assume it's a relatively private topic for most. 
Or maybe it's just me. Now I understand why the question wasn't asked. I have found that investing with my wife can be very difficult at times. Her level head has been the perfect foil for my impulsive actions over our years together. So I try and include her in my thought processes for our investing. But she doesn't seem that interested. In fact, she doesn't really get interested until times like now when the market and our portfolio are both falling. We've been through two market falls, the COVID crash and whatever we are experiencing now. She is super nervous. Due to her cautious nature and lack of interest to learn, it's getting hard to convince her to hang on. Fingers crossed we can ride it out without selling. I assume other people invest with their family's money. I assume others also have a partner. I know she would happily let me make all the decisions, but I feel like when I'm playing with our combined savings, it needs to be one in, all in. We have a modest portfolio consisting of three index-based ETFs, so I don't think this is the issue. Would love to hear any suggestions or experiences you have had. I really, I really like this, mate. It's, a, it's an important question because we talk a lot about you know investing with partners and relationships. We talked the other weekend about exactly that, um, and kind of it's it's one of those things that kind of has come up a few times. Uh, I. <laughs> It's a hard one, mate. It's a, it's a mm. really hard question because it comes down to how do you think about relationships and finances? And we tried not to give financial advice last time. Oh, sorry, relationship advice last time. We do financial advice sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a really, really good question. Maybe, I mean, sometimes people are just people and relationships are relationships and personalities are personalities. We just talked a little bit about that. Mm. Um, do you have any, any insights you can throw to our listener on how they might do that with, with a partner with a very different mentality and, and an investment approach? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got to be one team, one dream. I, I feel as though it's just a recipe for disaster if not everyone's on the same page. Mm. Um, because if it doesn't go well, there's going to be a lot of recrimination and blame and it's just not going to be healthy for the, you know, at the end of the day, I think what are they, they what are they, um, oh, I forget who said it now, but the three big things in life is one, to have a mission, one is to have good health and one is to have mm, great relationships, mm, mm. Yep. you know. They're, they're the three things that make, is, is the key to human happiness. Um, so you don't want to risk, you don't want to risk, you know, um, a portfolio or making a little bit of money on, on, on the things that really, really matter. So, you know, uh, and that might suck if you're really interested into this, in this kind of stuff that you, you can't bring your partner along. But it's just, it's just not that important. You might be able to come to a compromise and say, listen, I've just got this burning itch. I love this stuff. I know it's not for you. How <laughs> yeah, about we split yeah. our money into a few different pots and one of the pots I get to, I get to play with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also important to it, – it's really good to have that person who is a little bit more conservative, who is a little bit more mm, balanced mm, because it yeah. will keep you in check. I know that's yeah, the yeah. case with, with my wife. Mm. Um, she's not interested in this kind of stuff at all, but she's interested enough – to, to not want our um, <laughs> life savings to disappear. Yep. Yep. Um, and and I actually find it really useful because I find that sometimes in, in my head I get carried away with ideas and then when I try to spit it out, I just can't. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> useful, I right? sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I, you know, I need yeah. to go back and think yeah. about this. It's actually really useful to talk yourself, have someone there to, is, mm -hmm. to act as that foil. Yep. Um, yeah, communication is, is, is key. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that the thing is, when you really get it yourself, you'll mm. actually find that you're really good at convincing other people, 
right? Because you'll, you'll be able to sort of say, yeah, oh, doesn't this suck? But by the way, look how many times this has happened. Look yeah. look at what really matters. And, you know, although everything's down and our shares are in the red, but we actually own little parts of this business here. And it's actually a really safe business. It's still going to be around yeah. in 10 years' time. Sooner or later, the market will be, you know, you can start talking through and explaining that stuff. Even for someone who's not interested in, in investing at all, we'll still get it. It's like, oh, okay, yes, that makes sense. Mm. If you're if you're talking about reading goat entrails and <laughs> whatever right. your approach yeah. is, the, 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 line, the line will do the line thing because the lines do line things is not a great not a great way to convince somebody who doesn't want to be investing that that's what they should do. Absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's a good great question though. I, I, I don't know. There's a few thoughts. I hope I hope it helps. Yeah, I love it, mate. Um, I am going to. So Andrew's point about businesses is spot on. And you're doing ETFs, which which is you're, you're, it's easier than trying to convince someone to buy a company X or hold on a company Y when something's happening. So you're you're, you're in the right place. <laughs> I'm going to be a broken record, mate. Um, I'm going to suggest to others that they print out the Vanguard index, uh, Vanguard index chart, thirty year index chart. Print it out on the biggest possible paper you can find, or put it on a big screen, put it on the TV, whatever you can do, um, and use that as a way to explain what happens in the market over time. Because if you do that, and the, the $10,000 to $160,000, I quote that, it must be twice a week. Um, and I don't apologize for doing that because it is the most compelling data I have ever seen. I think I've said before in this podcast, my nephews, God love them, uh, I ask them to stick it up above their stairwell. So when they walk downstairs from their rooms, they see it every day and they have. There's blue tacks above, above their stairwell. Um, because that is the story of long-term investing. And there's absolutely, you should, by the way, you should be really, really clear with, with any of your partners out there. There is no guarantee that it will always be that way. Mm. But when you ask yourself, to Andrew's point, hey, we own a partial share of 200 or 300 or 500 of the biggest businesses on a particular exchange or index, and those businesses are doing real things, they are making more money over time. Not every year, yeah, but over time. There's 200 of them. So if one, two, three, five, or 10 go broke, we are still well and truly covered. And 10 grand is turned to 160 grand because we're harnessing the power of those businesses. Again, to Andrew's point, that to my mind is the strongest way, the strongest possible way. It won't always work for everybody. They'll just say, oh, I still don't get it. Um, I think I've shared before, my old man, when I grew up, thought the stock market was a casino because all he saw every night on the TV was ASX up, ASX down, ASX up, ASX down. And if you don't have the long-term perspective, I don't think the index chart was around when I was a kid. Um, you, it's very, very hard to do that. Mm. Um, so I, I would, I would go right back to that. Just explain that structure, explain what you're doing, and talk about those as, as businesses. You probably already are, which is, which is fantastic. So keep doing that. Um, but th- that, that's how I, that's how I'd think about it. Um, I am not a risk-taking investor. I'm not swinging for the fences. I'm not looking for the one little specky that can go. Through. I met some blokes at the football game on the weekend. I said, well, "What's your tip?" And I said something like, I think I said, make NASDAQ ETFs great. He's like, oh, no, I'm looking for a specky. I'm looking, here's, here's a specky I'm following. It's like, mate, it's just not my, it's not my thing, right? I'm not, I'm not looking to make a squillion dollars or lose everything, right? I am investing in a broad cross-section of Australian companies that are good enough, quality enough, promising enough to be on the ASX and whose futures I think are bright because they'll sell more stuff to more people over time. And that's, that's literally it. So for me, you know, index ETF is index ETF. Sometimes it's harder rather than easier because it feels like less connected. Um, but that's how I'd think about that. If hopefully that will that will be helpful. Anything else, mate? 
No, I, I think I think that's it. I, it's always good to go back to first principles too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just like it gets very esoteric, and just yes, you, you zoom out. You know, yep. and and yep. really, when when you're doing this ETF stuff, it is, as I've said before, it's really just a bet on humanity yeah, over a long point. enough time frame. Yep. I also think, mate, for what it's worth, um, I, I think it's also worth contextualizing the falls in the longer story. Mm. So. Yes, the market is down X percent. Whatever it was, highs or whatever it is now when you're listening to this, we're pre-recording this, so I don't know what it's going to be by the time this goes to air. Um, it's down from a recent high almost certainly because, well, if we made up if we made up 10 or 15% in the last couple of weeks, then fantastic. I, I've, I've, I've been a, the usual jinx. This time I've said it's not going to make it up and it probably will, which I'm, you're, more, you're welcome if it happens in the meantime. Um, and, and the media is terrible at this. And I say that as someone who appears in different media programs from time to time. Um, because the, it's very hard to do a news story about the long term, right? Because news is new. <laughs> it's new stuff. Like it's, you know, it's a plural of new. That's kind of what it is. And it's hard to tell a 30-year story every night on the news and make it new. Because what happened since yesterday is what they reported. And I don't really blame them for that. But as an investor and as an investment community, we need to do a better job of talking about the long term. So yes, the month, you, know, you were down X percent from the last peak. But over one year, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. This is the sort of return. By the way, the Vanguard Index chart, if you go to Vanguard's website, you can actually, I think you can put your own dates in. I'm pretty sure you can. You used to be able to anyway. Um, and so it was done over time. And that hopefully is, is again, part of the story. Rather, rather than saying, well, I used to have, I went from $100,000 and I had a million. Now I've got $900,000. I'm $100,000 poorer, which everyone does naturally. Natural, completely natural. And our partners will probably do exactly the same thing. Oh my God, how much have we lost since then? Completely natural. But if you can kind of reframe it and not reframe as in be, be uh, manipulative, just reframe it as in, hey, don't forget this is a long-term game. We are still going to be investing in 30 years' time. And 30 years ago, here's what it looked like. 20 years, 10 years ago, here's what it looks like. Hopefully that will help. All right, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one from Chris, mate. He says, hey, guys, have recently discovered your podcast and find it really insightful. Wow, Chris, that's, uh, you must be listening to someone else's podcast. Uh, something you said in a recent episode, though, hit the nail on the head in terms of my current situation. I'm still a bit of a noob, he says, when it comes to investing. I'm, uh, I'm reliably informed that a noob means newbie or someone who's new to something. I'm not, I'm not a cool kid. I grew up after that. But uh, you're a gamer from way back, so you've, you've probably played lots of games with lots of noobs, have you? I'm not a noob when it, when it comes to those, those kinds of things. <laughs> I, know my way, I know my way around a keyboard, Scott. <laughs> I started a few years ago, says Chris, and having no idea what I was doing, I turned to micro-investing platforms to help get myself familiar with shares and ETFs and to start learning about investing. I've been putting money in each week, time in the market for the win, he says, FTW, but I know that's for the win because I'm a cool kid. Uh, And the balances are also starting to build up. But given monthly fees are often calculated by percentage of account balances, they're also starting to creep up. I'm also pretty confident, content, sorry, with the amount of cash I have in the bank and don't necessarily want to add that much more because with the current rate of inflation, I feel like I'll just go backwards if I prioritize saving. What are some go-tos you'd recommend for this noob to consider or read more about so I can level up to potentially being an intermediate? He's bringing the game. Hash, uh, in brackets, bring on the shameless plugs. Love your work, guys. That's from Chris. Mm-hmm. I'll go first, mate, just for fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris, a couple of things. Um, once I, I don't, I, I love micro-investing platforms for the education and the discipline and the there's almost like the worked example. Here's one I prepared earlier, right? So you jump on one of those things, you put money in, it goes in. Like it's it's dollar cost averaging, it's all that stuff. It, it's a really, really nice, let's go with that simulation 
of the real world. So I'm doing being a gamer there. Andrew, see what I'm doing there? Mm. Uh, it's like Sim City or Flight Simulator or one of those. Uh, but I do think after a point they stop being useful and start being a drain. Personally, and I say that respectfully to those who run these businesses. They are if they work for you, then spectacularly use them. Because I've all, I've said for a long time that I'd rather you get a subpar return but have a squillion dollars when you retire than try for the, the best possible return and actually lose money because you're too ambitious. So if someone says, you know what, all I want to do is use micro-investing forever, then you've got to pay more fees than you have to, but you're going to end up with a lot of money and that's completely okay with me, right? So there's, you know, perfect is the enemy of good, Andrew, as you said a lot on, mm-hmm. you know, our, our former boss, Bruce Jackson, says a lot. Um, so that's absolutely true. So be good. You know, don't, 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 don't lose, don't miss the good, try to be perfect. But at some point, it is time to move up, I think. And you can now effectively dollar cost average into ETFs on the market without using micro-investing for a fraction of the price you're probably paying. Uh, I'll give a plug, speaking of shameless plugs, not to Strawman or to The Motley Fool, although feel free to use both those services. Um, I have invested some money, as I've said many times uh, for my young bloke, in Perla, the uh, brokerage, which has both a micro kind of investing platform option they do use a group chess account which i don't love but it's better than not using chess at all and their brokerage now is i think five dollars a trade and i think you can buy some select etfs brokerage free as long as you hold them for a year so there are just on perla and they're not the only one they're not even the, necessarily the best one they're just the one i've used um they're great by the way but i don't i'm not not going to claim they're the best or i've done the research um that's a really, really easy way to keep your costs relatively low. In fact, zero if you're buying the ETFs that um, some of the ETFs on their platform, not all of them, but some of them. Um, you do, I think, I'm pretty sure it's still free if you don't sell for more than a year. Like that's just money for jam. So once you start investing larger amounts, once you've got the saving pattern or the saving discipline down pat, great way to do it. That's how I'd move away from micro investing to intermediates. Stick with ETFs if that's if you're comfortable with them, uh, but do them. In a, in a larger scale way where you can keep your fees down because there's no ongoing management fee. Management fees will kill you. And that's what I dislike about these other micro-investing platforms is you are a, you are an income stream to them. Uh, Motley Fool, charge annual subscriptions, so does Strawman. So I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm absolutely talking out of both sides of my mouth here. But if you can buy shares and don't have to pay to maintain an account because you already own the shares, paying a percentage of what you already own, to me, particularly with ETFs, is is close-ish to madness once you've got enough money to move away from that. Whereas once you've bought these things with Perla or anybody else, Comsec Pocket has one, there's lots out there. Um, you don't pay to keep them. So I think I, I would move towards that as, as an intermediate step. If you then want to, think about buying individual stocks as a whole other level after that. But that's how I'd go. That, that's how I'd level up to use the gaming analogy. Yep, makes sense. Um, keep it simple. I mean, there's nothing wrong with paying. I'm going to stand up for ourselves here. Nothing wrong with paying a <laughs> subscription fee, as long as oh, totally. as long as you're getting value from it. The, yep. the the point that we can probably be a little bit more critical of some of these platforms is is that actually it's not hard to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind yeah. of like it's it's it, it's a great. It's worth paying it if it gets you mm. into the right habit. I mean, yep. we we all you know some people pay for. Gardeners, and uh, you know, we don't all do our own hair mm. haircuts, and you know, it's nothing wrong with paying for yeah. a service. You've just got to make sure you're getting value for that service. And w- once you've reached a certain point with your investing, you can I can just do this myself, right? I don't need to pay for it anymore. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different um, um, options out there. I think I think you yep. answered it really well. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I think that's right. And, and by the way, the other thing is, you know, keep your fees low, but not too low, right? If you're using straw man of the Motley Fool and you're getting value from it, education-wise, here, here's the thing. If you can get yourself... A, that's why I, I used to be really... This is, you know, again, with... You and I are getting less, ironically, sometimes we're more stringent Australian than we used to be. A lot of times less though. And one of those areas for me is, I say keep your costs really, really low because you don't want the cost to take too much out of your investments. And that's still true. If you can if you can get the same investment for a cheaper fee, you absolutely should do it because you may pay more than you have to, right? But if you pay, I'm going to say 5% in brokerage, like it, it sucks because that's half a year's return, right? So that's, that sucks. But if you never sell that thing or you, you know, you 16x your money doing that, then yeah, you could 16x a larger amount of money if you you know if you save some brokerage. So don't get me wrong, but if you're going to invest 100 bucks and, and and pay five to do it, that sucks. But if that 100 bucks becomes 1600 bucks at some point, that five dollars is probably well spent. If that's the only way you can get that, it's probably better than waiting, quite honestly, because even a five percent fee is half an average annual gain. Mm-hmm. So if you get in the market more than six months early, again this is an average, so let's assume you dollar cost averaging. If you if you if, you know, if you had to wait more than six months to get in, you better do it now than not. So, you know, again, on average, um, and, and it's very much worth not letting that become a problem or, or, or an obstacle to stopping you getting into investing. Same with, if you use Strawman, you use The Motley Fool, and even if the fee is higher than you'd like it to be, and if, it, if you can bring it down, do, uh, take advantage of a special or, or try and invest more money or whatever it is you need to do. But if, you know, if you can start, imagine if you start investing three years earlier, what would that be worth by the time you retire? Probably six figures, easily. <laughs> So you know, if if you if you try if you if you can avoid waiting by doing something anything earlier, it's almost certainly worth doing. Even though in the gear itself it looks like a really high fee, and it probably is, um, don't let that put you off or, or stop you from getting going. Yeah. Hey, uh, Greg's got a problem. Uh-oh. Scott, like most of your members, he says I've watched the market sink, affecting my portfolio by about forty percent this financial year, and it stinks. Mm-hmm. My losses were exacerbated by the fact. I sold up a piece of real estate last November and reinvested it almost immediately into Motley Fool recommendations rather than leave the money idle. Uh, Craig, I think I did that in, myself in August. So it wasn't real estate, uh, but it'd have a lump sum, so I feel your pain. Time will tell as to whether or not the value values return, but let's say it does. It still hurts because I look at it as an opportunity cost, i.e. I got in at the wrong time and I'll never get that back. None of that's the fault of Motley Fool except for one thing I can't accept. I'm led to believe that most of the market downturn is due to the return of, brackets, what I'd call, close brackets, normal inflation and interest rates and their effect particularly on growth stocks. That seems perfectly logical to me. At least now it does. If I'd thought about it at the time, I'd be much less inclined to buy stocks of that kind. I've been telling my kids for the last few years to be aware of the inevitable rise of interest rates as they look around for real estate. I guess I was stupid enough to think it didn't affect share prices. The thing is, I've never once seen any reference in, to this sec- in this section called risks and when we would sell in the Motley Fool buy recommendations. Was that because it was something that was so obvious it wasn't worth mentioning? Am I really that dumb? Regards, Greg. Good challenge, mate. What do you say? Mm. You're, you're not, you don't work for as critical as you want. This is you to for you to answer. It's not not me, but I'll, oh, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give do it you want to have a go. first go? Then or do you want to start? Well, no. I think like, it's it's interesting if ever you read a prospectus. So a company in its IPO issues a prospectus, and by law they've got to outline all the risks. Um, 
And there's probably a few of them that are really worthwhile and the rest of them are just boilerplate cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the risk that, yep. you know, an asteroid <laughs> yeah. hits. There's a risk that zombies yeah. come. You know, there's certain yeah. things. And, and this, this, this sounds really dismissive. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it like that. But the things like that there will be cycles and interest rates will move up and down and we'll have recessions. And that's, I, I, I would probably put that in the realm of just the ever-present risks um maybe it should be maybe it should be put on every single recommendation i'm 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 i, I don't know i'd probably probably not but it's it's the 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 risks to me are the ones when it comes to like individual stocks are the ones that that are that are unique to that business so when you say something like um a bear market or a recession or rising interest rates that pretty much affects all companies across the board in a, in a similar-ish way. So it's, it's not a, yeah. non, it's, it's a non, it's a market risk. It's a systemic mm. risk. It's not a, mm. it's not a business specific risk. Um, but then that's just a policy decision of how the fool wants to, to run it. Mm. But, mm. but, you know, I, I take the point. I take the point. I, um, yeah, look, so I, I'm going to abs. So, so here's, I don't know, it's hard. Um, I think the challenge with all of these, so yeah, yes, to some degree, you're absolutely right that it is and always was a risk. Um, I think what we try to do with the Motley Fool is look. F- we're long-term investors with five-year-plus time horizons, and so we look at risks in that context. Uh, we say in some of our recommendations sometimes, even though I, I even hate this, but we do it sometimes. Is well, the you know the company, the market's expecting a lot from this company, and if the market changes its mind, the shares could fall. And we put that as a risk, and it kind of is, right? It always is because every company's PE could halve tomorrow for reasons that are company specific or market specific, or sorry, market general or something else, right? Um, just because, just because it is. Um, it's possible that a massive foreign exchange change would see a lot of foreign investors selling Australian shares and taking their money back home all ploughing into the Australian dollar for reasons that are best known to them or whatever might happen to the market. So there are there are always those sorts of long, or sorry, those sorts of, I was going to say long tail, but unlikely, put it that way, risks that may come to pass. There are also those issues that are short-term in nature. I've said before, if you look at even Woolworth's share price chart, for, for what's otherwise probably one of the safest businesses as a business on the ASX, like it's not going anywhere. Um, you can argue maybe it gets disrupted eventually, but realistically, what's more reliable on people buying baked beans from Woolies? Probably not much. Um, but the share price has still gone up and down 50% multiple times, gone up and down 10 or 15%, lots and lots and lots of times. And so we don't say, we wouldn't say a worse recommendation. Hey, the market might change its mind and might like this a little bit less than it does now or more than it does now. And that might see the share price move. Now, again, maybe we should. But at what point do you, do you draw a line under what could possibly happen? I would take some exception politely, not, not, not harshly, to your characterization, uh, Greg, because you talk about, uh, you, he says, I led to believe the mark, most of the market downturn is due to the return of what I'd call normal inflation and interest rates. Um, I actually think that's not necessarily going on right now. And Andrew, I'm happy if you want to disagree. I don't know what your view is on this. I think the market fear is because of irrationally, sorry, unusually high inflation and unusually swift and significant, maybe even severe interest rate responses. The US Fed has effectively talked about putting the US, market, US economy into recession to get inflation under control. 
And I don't think that's, air quotes, normal. And I don't think it's in the range of things that most people expected. Now, in hindsight, as you say, we can always go, well, if inflation got to 8%, then the US might do this, so we might be, you know. And at the time, should we have known that in September, October, November? I don't know, arguably. I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I certainly didn't at the time expect 8% inflation in the US and Governor Lowe here was saying 7% by the end of the year. I, I don't think that was in the range of most people's expectations. Um, and even if it is, uh, I don't know what else she do. Um, because you had to then know what the reserve banks, so, so you first had to know what, what inflation might be. Then you had to know how central banks might think about that. And then you had to know how they might respond to that. And then you had to know how bond markets might respond to that. And then you had to know how the share market might price that. And then you had to know what, what private, you know, venture capital investors would do for companies that needed capital on that result. And then you had to know how long those price falls would take to go down, how long they would stay low and how quickly they'd recover. And there's so many ifs on that, that sometimes, you know, we've talked before around about that two by two grid of Howard Marx's, the knowable and the important. Mm. You know, is it, is it important? Yes, clearly, so clearly now. And again, in hindsight, obviously. Was it knowable? it was in the range of outcomes. So yeah, I mean, not knowable, but was it, was it should, should there be a probability assigned to it? Yes. If you'd have asked me in July last year, what's the probability of US inflation at more than 8.5% and Australian inflation at more than 7%, I would have said the probability was 5%. I don't have been horribly, 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 horribly wrong. Why? Because it wasn't something that I think, I don't think anyone was saying the same thing either at the time, right? That's the other thing. I don't think it was on my Pat Malone. Um, and... Even if I'd known it was going to be that, would I have expected that growth stocks would fall 40, 50, 60%? No, I don't think that either. Like, I don't, I think the, I, by the way, because I think part of it is the market's irrationally over, overreacting um, in, in a lot of cases, not in all cases, but I think we'll look back on June 2022 when we're recording this and say prices were inexpensive then. I don't know how cheap, uh, I don't know how much they'll go back up, but I think in some cases we'll go, man, you could buy company X for that price back then? That's crazy cheap. Now, I might be wrong, but that's my best guess. Anything else you add to that, mate? Uh, no. Be critical, by the way, if you want to. Feel free to disagree. Well, I mean, I, it's not disagree. I, I guess I, I know it's not. It's a broader statement, I think, about advice, whether it's general advice from a newsletter or specific advice from a financial mm. planner or anything like that. I feel as though you uh, owe it to yourself to challenge mm. it and mm. Mm. to. Uh, hmm. find reach the same conclusions yep. and if you can't then it's okay to say no yep. um, so I've got a bunch of newsletters I subscribe to I ignore 90% of them <laughs> that sounds really Thanks, hard I just think well, well when I say ignore them I'm not, I'm not just buying every single thing that comes out I was just yeah, like oh yeah, that's yeah. oh I never heard of that company you're not oh, blindly accepting it yeah. oh okay they think oh that's a really interesting yeah. take yeah let me think mm. about that but mm. I, I use mm. it as an idea mm. generator mm. Um, and my encouragement to, to people is is that's I think that's the I think that's the best way to use it. I, I think mm. it it is it is a one. People often talk about ways of filtering the market mm. and using mm. scans to you know reduce yeah. your you know. Yeah. And I don't for reasons we've discussed before. I don't I don't like that approach. I use it as there's two thousand two hundred and something stocks out yeah. there. It's just way too many. That's right. So that's the, right. half the reason I started Strawman was to help <laughs> help other people yeah. filter it down for me. But also yeah. the, the same reason is why I'll, I'll, I'll subscribe to various newsletters just just mm, as a filter. Mm, just mm. just tell me about something that I didn't know about, or maybe I did know about the stock, but here's an angle I didn't consider. Yeah, and then and, and I, I use it. That's just me personally, yeah, and that's yeah. usually when I'm talking to friends, I sort of say, "Hey, hey, do it that way." Mm, mm. 
And then you get people who go, oh, yeah, but I don't know anything. I just want to be told what to do. <laughs> it's right. like, well, that's cool too. Yeah. But yeah. then you've got, you, you've got a choice. Then it's like you're all in. Yeah, you're all yeah. in. You can't, you can't say I don't know, and but I'm, just, I'm still going to selectively pick some of the wrecks I like. Yep. And don't, you, yep. you've got to, oh, got to follow everything religi- religiously mm. if you're going that approach and just have complete faith in, in the advisors. Mm. Um, or, or you've got to have, have some select, select tip, selection criteria around it, in which case you, it, the onus is on, is on you. Um, it sounds it sounds a little bit harsh, but I think you know it, no, only you fair. only you have you're the one who's done all the work to save all that money. You're the one who stands to benefit or lose from it. You've got to take it really seriously, and you can't out. I don't think it's worth outsourcing your own thinking um, to, for something that's so so vitally important. So the only I'll add, mate, we need to wrap this up. The only I'll add is I think that's absolutely one hundred percent right. Um, with the exception that I absolutely don't mind being completely 100% accountable because that's that's our job. We're, we're, we're taking people's money to be accountable. Um, but I think this is, I don't think we should believe, other than in hindsight, this was foreseeable as the most likely outcome. And so to some degree, it's a case of, you know, we got here, was it possible? Of course. Was it the most likely scenario? No. Uh, inflation at 2% was likely. Interest rates going back to 2% eventually was likely. Some people didn't think they'd get to 2% even this cycle. It looks like now they're going to go well past 2% probably this year, um, let alone this cycle, and, and there's probably some value there. Mate, we're done. Uh, yep. Will you come back and join me on Sunday? Yeah, can't wait. I look forward to it. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691. Listener.